With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. You're listening to Turf Show Radio. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. John Austin and a nickel back to the Airs it out. Oh, he drops it in the bucket. Kenny Britt is gone. Touchdown. Give it to Gurley. Gurley extending for the goal line. Touchdown. Todd Gurley. That puts him at 1,000 yards on the button in his rookie season. And now, here's your host. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tertia Radio. It's your boy, 3K, a.k.a. Joe McAtee. Or I guess it should be in the other way around, Joe McAtee, a.k.a. 3K. I don't know how pseudonyms work anymore in the social media age. But speaking of things that aren't important, training camp. No, I'm playing. Of course it's important. We love training camp, man. We love the preseason. Things are moving apace. As I sit here less than, let's see, 23 hours, it's 22 hours, 45 minutes to the season premiere of Hard Knocks tomorrow night on HBO, August 9th. Excited to see that because they're focusing on the Los Angeles Rams, which means that football's back. And here to cover that with me, my friend Joshua Webb. Josh, what's going on, man? You know what I'm most excited about about that Hard Knocks? Is I'm finally going to find out who was in that fight today at at, at camp. Uh, we never could tell. By the time everybody noticed what was going on, you could tell that the fight had already been won. The one dude was on the bottom getting his ass kicked. And, and yeah, it was over. Like, people were shouting, he died! And uh, it, I, I never did get to see. I felt like I got ripped off. Like, how you not going to look at me who got beat up? But, yeah, uh, I'm going to watch uh, Hard Knocks, I, I mean, for many reasons. But uh, I'm gonna watch just to find out who who was that day. Shout out! Shout out to Josh covering camp in person. By the way, for for people who don't know, we've had Eddie Perez out at camp. Uh, previous uh, practices, Josh and Derek Classen at QB Class were out there today uh, covering stuff. So thank you guys for providing those uh, on-site reports. Although you know, I would have preferred you know 
a little more intense fisticuffs reporting, Josh. You know, how was how was Quentin Copel's left hook looking? Look, it's not training camp. It's not it's not even the preseason until the Rams get in a fight. Yeah, I mean, we were really talking about practice. Um, you had Michael Brockers. But see, the two things that I did get shot of today that I thought were my money shots is I had that video of Michael Brockers just straight out destroying homie. Uh, which I happened to notice Cody Wickman, and that's the only reason I started shooting that is because I was like, oh, hey, Cody, you know, long time no see. And he's just, but uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to sit here for a minute and watch these offensive line and defensive line drills. I got to be honest with you, man. Uh, I'm not feeling good about the offensive line right now. Like, if Sapphire's yeah, I mean, in there, it's fine. But, yeah, I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know, man. We'll have to ask our guest tonight when we get him on what his thoughts are. That and more to come from our guest, obviously. Uh, with hard knocks coming in, I, I think I'm just happy to get off soft knocks. I've seen so many soft knocks. Oh, man, the knocks were so soft. I need my, I need my hard knocks. I don't know even. I don't even know what that joke is supposed to mean, but I, I went there. But maybe, maybe helping us recover from missed jokes, and maybe helping us to fill in some info on the offensive line. Uh, really happy to bring uh, a celebrated guest to Turf Show Times, the voice of the Rams from, and, and I hope I'm getting all this information right. Seven Ten ESPN, Los Angeles. It's JB Long, the voice of the Rams. JB, thanks for coming on Turf Show already. Hey, it's my pleasure, gentlemen, and if you want to battle with bad jokes, uh, we can go all night. I'm not sure how much time you've allotted to this podcast, but uh, we can take it in distance if that's all you want to talk I've, about. I've got at least and maybe more than 18 soft knocks jokes. I'm going to save them for the last half hour because they're all gold. J.B. Long, everybody, the voice of the Rams. No, guys. Joe, let me jump the gun if I can, just because I've had a chance to tell Josh this already and your colleague uh, Brent, and if you can pass it along to Eddie and Derek and some other people you mentioned already, uh, I could not be more grateful for Turf Show Times, the, the time that I put in uh, getting ramped up on the Rams and ready for this first season uh, in Los Angeles. I could not have done it without Turf Show Times. Uh, I oh, inhaled nice. your content. I think I have read every <laughs> single Rams roster preview that you put out over the previous month. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you have done. Well, JB, that's nice of you to say. Thanks, man. Uh, that's JB Long. JB, thanks for coming on, man. It was nice to have you. See you. <laughs> have a great season. No. JB Long, everybody, voice of the Rams, at JB underscore Long on Twitter. Uh, and I believe it's Rams Radio on Snapchat. Is that right? Still figuring out the Snapchat. We'll get there eventually. Uh, it might be a little bit behind the quality of the broadcast, but it will be a product eventually. Instagram, I'm at least fluent in. Uh, I just want to use those accounts really to help our audience, Rams fans everywhere, get to know me, get to know Maurice Jones-Drew, get to know DeMarco Farr a little bit better, and see what life is like behind the scenes in the booth. Uh, in the Coliseum and around the league. JB, when did, when did you find that? Oh, go ahead. Go I was going to ask, man, like, Pete Arbogast has threatened to, like, kick your ass if you ruin his setup in any way. Has, has he? I mean, I'm just I'm just curious how that's going to work because <laughs> you guys are going to be sharing a box with a long-time voice of USC. So, uh, 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 what, what's, in all, in all reality, Pete's a nice guy. What's been your experience with with Pete so far, or have you even had the chance to sit down and talk with him? I, we've crossed paths over the course of Pac-12 seasons, I know. 
I, we have not spoken since uh, this has all taken place. It's a conversation that uh, I look forward to and need to have. Uh, for Pete's sake, thankfully, there are more days between when I leave the booth and when he comes back than when he leaves the booth and we step in. So, uh, yes, I do have to take good care of what is and has been his home. Uh, fortunately, there is more time to recover from whatever mess we make on Sundays leading in to the next week for USC. But what about JB, I was just going to ask. Game. Say again for me. What do you say, Joe? Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Who's the dumb question? No, I, was, right I, was, I was just going to ask. Your apple pie. Well, uh, we're going to get some more info on that. I definitely need an apple pie scouting report. Um, JB, I just want to know. So when, when did you find out it was going to be you, MJD, and DeMarco? And, and, you know, how have you guys started to build the rapport? Because obviously the kind of chemistry you need to make radio broadcasts work, especially for a live product like NFL football. It's core to what you guys are going to do, and I just wonder how that's coming along. Yeah, so we've known for a little over a week now. I guess the public announcement was made last Friday leading into Family Day at the Coliseum over the weekend. I've met DeMarco a few times in person now at training camp. I've spent a couple of days with MJD, and I could not be more impressed with who they are you know, as men, much less you know, before we even get to football analysts. I think it's going to be a really energetic, uh, youthful, exuberant team. I'm excited to develop a rapport with them. I think as someone who listens and watches to a lot of sports broadcasting, uh, I don't think there's anything better than listening to uh, men and women who enjoy each other's company, and you can just tell that they have a good relationship on and off the air from listening to them. And that's something that I definitely hope will be a calling card for our Rams radio network broadcast very, very soon. No doubt. What, what, what is your sense of initially, because you've been to training camp, you've been around, obviously you were there for family day at the Coliseum. What's your sense of how Rams football is permeating the market from, from you know, not just in terms of what you've seen there, but also as a sports broadcaster from an, if, you know, for the industry and from a professional sense, how you see it uh, permeating the Los Angeles market. Yeah a good question. I'm going to kind of answer it backwards a little bit because after I left the Coliseum on Saturday, went to LAX, and I must have been stopped and engaged in conversation by a half a dozen people because I was wearing, you know, Rams logo to apparel. Uh, my mm-hmm. favorite question was from the TSA representative who asked if I was a Rams player. Uh, and I know <laughs> you guys have not met me in person yet. Uh, for those who have or for those who will, you'll realize what an absurd question that is and how long it's been since I had what minimal athleticism I was blessed with decades ago. Um, but anyone from the Hertz representative who was just the nicest gentleman and said that, you know, when he was raising his sons in Los Angeles, it was about the time that they you know, picked up stakes. And, and moved to St. Louis, and so he had always hoped to take his sons uh, to an NFL game kind of in their, in their youth, in their grade school years or even high school years, and was disappointed. He said that he never got the opportunity to do that, but the silver lining to the story is now he has a grandson, and he can't wait to have that moment with the next generation instead. So I, I said that I was going to answer this question backwards. It kind of gets back to uh, the first thought I had to your question, which was, it was amazing to see tens of thousands of people 
inside the Coliseum on Saturday. And I thought it was appropriate that they named that family day because a lot of the people that I spoke with and that I saw fell into one of two categories. Either they were the previous generation of Los Angeles Rams fans who have waited more than 20 years for their team to come home or, and, or they were there with their kids who are now going to grow up uh, in the Los Angeles that I think is the way it should be, which is home to an NFL franchise. And they'll never know LA other than home to the Rams, which is pretty interesting. Pretty neat. Josh, what were you going to ask about a Thursday game? Oh, yeah, I was just joking around about the chance that in the event of a Thursday game, uh, Pete would have a chance to leave you a note, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon that you'd end up seeing Sunday morning. Uh, but, you know, uh, Joe, I think, brought up a great point. Uh, in, in, there, there's only one exclusion to the rule of needs a great team. Uh, to broadcast around him, and even then, I think you'd find the people that propel. I don't know, man. I don't know that anybody provides Vince Scully with anything at this point in his career. But Vince Scully is sort of the lone dude who who can do pretty much anything by himself in the LA area or anywhere, for that matter. Uh, what's it sort of like knowing? that as you step into the new Rams era here in Los Angeles, hopefully this is the start of a long-term relationship uh, between you and, 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 and the guys in the booth, especially MJD, who, you know, I mean, played his ball at UCLA, tortured USC with those little bowling ball legs. Um, but the guy <laughs> is a fountain of knowledge and really well-focused. Man, uh, I, I can't wait to sort of see how he brings it on air. But to, to get back to the question is, how do you, what's it like to be part of a Los Angeles broadcasting crew that has guys like Pete Arbogast, Vin Scully, etc.? I mean, Keith Jackson. I mean, for anybody who grew up watching the Rose Bowl, uh, ever knows Keith Jackson. Samuel, what's it like to be officially part of that fraternity of L.A. broadcasters? Yeah, Dick Enberg and Chick, and I mean, we could talk all night about some of those names. Honestly, I'm, I'm getting chills, and, you know, the hair on my neck is, is kind of standing up as I, as I heard you go through some of those names and those just legendary broadcasters in Los Angeles. Uh, Josh, look, I, I am not even close to pretending that I'm going to continue that legacy or fill any of those shoes, like not even a far distant dream thought in my mind. However, I will say that I am extremely inspired by their legacy and their standard. And if there's one thing that I do hope to replicate, it's kind of their love affair with a fan base, right? I mean, if, if I could hang my hat on anything 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, it's that a generation of Rams fans, uh, came up uh, knowing me as the person who had the ultimate privilege of serving as a conduit between the coaches and the players and the great moments and trials and tribulations and successes that this franchise is going to have very, very soon um, and their memories. And that's just the role I want to play. I don't think any of this is about me. Uh, I think this is just about serving the fans of Los Angeles and representing the Rams as an ambassador on and off the air 
as best I can. And if I can follow up on your thought about MJD, because it called to mind how privileged we are to have someone of his caliber and, and knowledge at the running back position, because who better to speak about what Todd Murley is about to do in his sophomore season, right? I mean, it's, it's really nice to have uh, a caliber running back of Maurice Jones-Drew in a position to talk about Gurley, who is the most dynamic player the Rams have offensively and might emerge as the best back in the NFL, if not this season, in the very near future. No doubt. Everybody, uh, JB Long, uh, voice of the Rams, 710 Los Angeles, at JB underscore Long Rams Radio on Instagram, soon to come other platforms. JB, you talked about the moments. I, I think a lot of times, you know, for uh, play-by-play announcers, for, for those providing the, the simulcast of the game and the opportunity to explain in real time what's going on, a lot of times the, the greatest opportunity you guys have is to explain those great moments, right? And, and fans of any sport remember moments where they were watching or listening or replaying I have something one of them special. My ringtone, actually. My ringtone <laughs> Which, is Martin Tyler's Aguero. Sure. That's, that's sure. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's, that's one of the, the great, you know, benefits of having somebody with your talents, JB, is that you get the opportunity to take advantage of those moments and translate them to us in a way that we'll always remember. How do you prepare for moments like that? I, I, I've, you know, I've read about uh, play-by-play guys and, and you know, the, the fact that you can only prepare so much for them and that at the moment you've just got to hope that the right thing comes out and that it does it well. Is there something that you've done to try to get ready now that you've got a chance to, to do play-by-play for NFL football that, that you're preparing for to take advantage of those moments if and when they come? Yeah, Joe, it's a really good question. And I would say this is the only regard in which we as broadcasters are remotely like the athletes and the players themselves, and that is in preparation because you're right you cannot anticipate or be ready for the moments that are going to happen this season and throughout the next stint of the Rams in Los Angeles. Uh, But I prepare nonetheless, and I treat every game, every broadcast, uh, to use an academic analogy, as if it were a final exam. And you don't know what the questions are going to be, and you don't know what your answers are ultimately going to be to those questions but the best thing you can do is have the broadest and the deepest base of knowledge and experience and resources, and then just hope that the moment is right and you deliver when, when it's your time. And uh, those are, I think those are the things that maybe keep us in our profession up at night is just sensing the duty that we have to our audience and wanting to get those right. Um, But whether it's Josh's ringtone or any of the other signature calls that we associate with sports broadcasting. I think the one thing that unites them is their spontaneity and their originality. And so I think when I go to sleep at night or when I, in those final seconds before we go on the air, I think you just have to take a deep breath and trust that it's all going to play out the way that it's supposed to. And that no amount of preparation um, is going to, give you that moment. You just have to trust and let it happen. Yeah, and I think trusting and letting it happen is what hopefully won't won't get you on Josh's cell phone. I don't I don't know if that's an accolade or, you know, if that's the kind of thing you want to avoid. Josh, I know you want to get in. Go ahead. You know, I, I thought it was interesting because while, while you were saying that and JB was answering, I was really recalling an article that I'd read about Martin 
Tyler and that call. And they sort of revisited it. And, and somebody asked him, like, what it was like to be on the call for the Premier Leagues up until that point, up until I'd say Leicester City, you know, uh, most memorable call of the Premier League era, uh, Aguero getting that goal. And Martin Tyler was like, you know, honestly, I was just thankful I didn't screw it up. And and that's been the answer that he stuck with and, and said, like, you, you absolutely cannot prepare for those moments, but what you can do is love what you do, love who you cover, love what you cover, and that those moments should be just a natural progression of that. Uh, and if I may offer a bit of advice on that front and let you answer, J.B., maybe you ought to go with the dude from the Euros, the Icelandic guy who almost had the trill, like, and nobody knew what he was saying. But that dude <laughs> sounds so, sounded so excited that how could you not? Like, everybody listened to that call. And then he did it again, and that one went viral. So may I suggest going that route just simply for entertainment purposes? <laughs> no, I, I think that's – I'm thinking of uh, a podcast that I heard Sean McDonough, the new voice of Monday Night Football, do, and mm. uh, he actually kind of poked a little bit of fun at, at himself, saying that some of his signature moments have actually included his voice cracking. And I think that just kind of goes to show uh, it's not necessarily about – you know, how you sound in that moment and how you feel in that moment. And I think if you and your audience connect on that feeling, it works. Um, even if it's not, you know, the deepest, most baritone sound you, you've ever delivered. Um, so, and I, here's one other thought that I have uh, on that Hart. topic is, go ahead. Uh, just interject real quick. Len Hart, who was famous in like, I mean, Len Hart is really famous in Japan. But back in the days when, when UFC actually had competition in Pride, Len Hart was the announcer, the Pride ring announcer, and her calls with, like, the way she rolled her R's with Vanderlei Silva back in Pride, those things used to send chills down people's spine the way that, that, that she could do that stuff. And I think that that's mixed in with dudes like Michael Buffer or, or Bruce Buffer and the Buffer 360. Like, Maybe you gotta add in like a gesture in there to to go with the call. Yeah, I mean those are uh, those are some some great analogies. And the, the only thing I would add to kind of put a bow on that is, I would like to think that one of the assets I have as a broadcaster is hopefully knowing when to just shut up. Uh, and I hope that we have such great crowds at the Coliseum and starting in 2019 in the new facility that a lot of times the best option that I may have available to me is just to be quiet and let the Rams crowd carry the moment and let those listening mm -hmm. sense the moment from afar. And, and I, I try to continually remind myself that uh, it's in the booth. It's, it's Maurice and it's me and DeMarco on the sideline, but there's a fourth member of our broadcast team. And I try to always keep that in mind. And that is the crowd. JB, you mentioned the, the target for 2019 with the new stadium. How, how much of that is something that's being, uh, what's, the, what's the right way to put it, it you know, talked about, um, you know, provided to the media, that the idea that, that there's almost a soft target for 2019 as being the real launch of Los Angeles Rams football and that this is kind of a beta launch. This is a soft launch. 
these are the these are the soft knocks, JB, for for Rams football <laughs> coming in for these next three seasons. It's almost like everything's leading into 2019, and it's not that you know 2016, 17, 18 seasons don't matter, but the idea of this this you know uh, palace of football and, and the entire campus that's going to be developed and raised as kind of the centerpiece for the NFL in Los Angeles is almost this hard target. How much of that is permeating? And I hate to keep using that word. I got to come up with something else puncturing that the, the way that you guys are approaching the broadcast strategy and how you're approaching the 2016 season, whether it's in and of itself, a season that you're preparing for that, that 2019 season is something that you got to keep on the ball. Well, I think I look at things in that regard more from the standpoint of the players and the coaches. And let's face it, a lot can change in three years, and there's no guarantee that anyone on the current roster or staff is is going to be there in the fall of 2019. Odds are a good portion of them will be, and I hope for their sake they all get to share in that moment because of the contributions that they have and will continue to make towards that goal. I think you kind of have to, you know, bifurcate your mind a little bit from a from a brand building and a public relations standpoint. Obviously, that stadium is being built at the price tag that's you know being invested in it because that's what Los Angeles deserves and that's what the National Football League has become as an entertainment uh, product. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think our focus has to be on the here and the now because I mean, if you were to take Uh, the St. Louis Rams going into the 2013 season and forecast for them the possibility to play in Los Angeles at some point in their career, uh, that would have been, I think, a very difficult paradigm shift for for anyone to handle. So I think I would would prefer on air at least to focus on the here and the now uh, because I think this team is, is ready to take a nice step forward on the field. And it's my expectation, and I would hope that it's the fans' expectation for the Los Angeles Rams that there's going to be a lot to celebrate at the Coliseum in the next three seasons before we get to 2019. So there's no sense of of having that kind of be the beacon that we're all looking towards because we might miss uh, some really great moments between now and then. JB Long, everybody, the voice of the Rams joining us, ESPN 710 Los Angeles, uh, at JB underscore Long on Twitter, Rams Radio on Instagram. JB, you talked about focusing on the here and now. We, we know the team schedule in terms of their practices and the preseason schedule leading up to the season opener. What's your schedule like? What, what is it like to have to prepare for the radio broadcast side? Uh, trust me, you do not want to be linked into my Google calendar these days, I assure <laughs> you. Uh, the, I have just on a personal note, I have to tell you, these last three months have been the best of my life, and it's not even close. And the primary reason for that is I've become a father. And uh, Congrats, man. It's, it's, oh, thank you. And we're now getting set to make a move for the second time since he's been born. And it is the most wonderful inconvenience to have to move again with a newborn, but to get to do it to Los Angeles with this context. Uh, yes, it has made things relatively complicated. Uh, I was scheduled to do the Olympics for NBC Sports and uh, gladly uh, relinquished that responsibility to focus on the task at hand and to give my full attention to the Rams and to be on hand for the preseason games upcoming here at the Coliseum in the next couple of weeks. But uh, thankfully my uh, beautiful and brilliant and wonderful, hardworking wife, uh, Cassie is running point on so many logistics and I could not do any of this without her. Um, but yes, I am simultaneously trying to live and eat and breathe Los Angeles Rams in the NFL 
while making sure that my son is sleeping and eating and breathing and, and that we're also getting all of our possessions down uh, to Los Angeles to become fully fledged members of that community as soon as possible. And uh, it's happening. It's happening this week. So good for you, man. Congrats. Josh, you want to get in? Oh, I was just uh, joking around that he avoided Zika by uh, not having to go to the Olympics. And really what appears like a, uh, a very interesting Rio mayor and some very questionable uh, living conditions. Uh, for for not just the athletes, but the media as well. So I don't I don't know if 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 you know becoming the Rams announcer is a good thing because as you said, there's no guarantee anything does go well or you know or for that case badly. But you know if if say things unfold as they have been. In, in St. Louis, and I'm not trying to saddle you with, with this thought, but, I mean, there, there is some question marks, you know, about Fisher, and, and we would be foolish if, if we pretended like they weren't there. But, you know, there's always the possibility that the Rams could sort of stall out, too. And, and I don't know, 2019, like, uh, like 3K says, is it feels like a launch date, but at the same time, I feel like the most important thing for the Rams, and I feel like this, the, the main takeaway from the practice that I was at today, and, and I, you know, if I'm wrong on this, feel free to let me know, but the main takeaway that I got right now that I found, and I don't think this is a bad thing, but I think priority number one for the Rams this year seems to be fan engagement. I saw so many players like turning around, getting ready to go to the locker rooms, and then they just kind of like stopped. You could see them suck it up, and like they were they were telling themselves, "Dude, just go do it," you know, like just just go do it. Do they take that breath and turn around and smile and come back to the fans just to engage with them? And, and like you said, your your first job this year is is to get involved with the community and get the fans on this level. Win or lose with the Rams, how much of this year, this this particular, I guess we could call it the now for the Rams, is focused, is targeted on fan development? Uh, from my standpoint, or from the teams, or both. Honestly, both because as the voice of the Rams, it's going to be your job, like we were talking about, on a weekly basis to connect with us. Mm-hmm. You're the one right. that has to sort of, I mean, you you three have to walk us through what's going on if we can't watch it. You're, you have to sort of guide the ebb and the flow of some of these things, and some of them could be disappointing, some of them could be exciting. But beyond that, like I've noticed, like you said, the, the, the thing that everybody diverts the conversation to, and I hate using that word because it makes it sound like you're not willing to answer. Permeating. Any, anytime you use permeating, yeah, it sounds Permeating, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but at any time you hear any answer, it's about fan engagement. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I actually think that this is a really smart strategy by the Rams because no matter what, if 
you've at least endeared yourself to the fans in the other in other ways. And trust me, winning solves everything, but it doesn't. Or winning solves a lot, but it doesn't solve everything. If you have a club that is actively engaged with their fans and, and their fans are the heartbeat of it, then they can put up with a lot of crap and a lot of losses and a lot of this, a lot of that of what the Rams have had over the 12 years. So I guess that's why I'm asking, like, where, how, how important is that fan engagement in getting locked in early to, to, to building that rapport? I think it's essential. I, I think it's a really astute observation on your part too, being around the team today, as you have, that they have taken that upon themselves as brand ambassadors for the Rams and for the league coming back to Los Angeles. And my hunch is, I don't know this through any inside information, but my hunch is when we watch Hard Knocks over the coming weeks, it's going to be something that's being preached from the top down. It's something that I think Jeff Fisher realizes is essential to his role as head coach this year and is essential to the franchise's success. And, of course, it's no coincidence that he's been through this relocation process before and can speak to it uh, as authoritatively as anyone. So I think you're on to something there that the players are focused on something a little bit beyond making a roster or playing time their spot on the depth chart and ultimately winning games. Uh, not that it's a distraction for them. I think, on the contrary, I think it can be symbiotic, quite honestly. I think they realize that to win the amount of games they want to win, they better have a really solid home field advantage. And soon, you're not going to succeed in this division or in the NFC or anywhere in the NFL if you don't have a competitive advantage at home. So I think they're wise to invest in that early and often. Uh, from my standpoint, it's a little bit easier and more direct to answer. Now, I know who I work for. I know who my paychecks come from. I work for the league by way of the Los Angeles Rams. But in terms of the way I orient and orient myself mentally, on game day, I work for the fans, uh, and I serve them, and I serve their needs. So it's it's much easier for me to think in that regard. And uh, this was part of you know my interviewing process, my my sales pitch as to who I am and who I want to be to the Rams. You know, if if all I deliver is a world-class product on Sunday, that's not enough. I don't think I'm giving them enough. I, I am signed up to be you know, a community service contributor for their monthly projects and weekly pro. I'm there to MC events and to be in and around Los Angeles and to host Jeff Fisher's coaches show and to be on uh, ESPN Los Angeles and all these different hats. I fully am signed up and ready and willing and able to wear because Let's face it, uh, in an ideal world, everyone would be at the game on Sunday, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't think anyone hopes to necessarily be uh, tethered to their radio, but as life happens, uh, people do find themselves in need and enjoying a radio broadcast, I hope, and I definitely want to serve in that regard as well. You, you don't discount the, the, those of us who get the broadcast game on, like, I don't know, CBS or whatever, and you just get analysts like Chris Collinsworth, you know, where you're just like, yeah, I'm going to hit the mute button on this game. Don't discount those of us who can have that ham radio right next, flip it over and uh, crank up the Rams dial to go with the programming that's on the TV because there are a lot of people, I think, that do that in the age of digital technology where 
if you if you don't have a media set up in your house, then you can at the very minimum stream the game on your computer while streaming in the the, the audio uh, with with uh, you know the, the the game on mute or whatever in the, in, in the visual player. So uh, I think there are going to be people who, as the I, I would hope, and I'm sure that this is the goal. This is what you want to accomplish long term. But I think there are going to be people who latch on to these home calls because fans, and I think especially something we can speak to at Turf Show Times, man, do the fans want to hear somebody tell you how good the Rams are, even when they're, let's just be honest, sucking it up on the field on, 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 a, on a Sunday, not picking out anyone in particular. They still want to hear how good it is and how well you do that can largely depend on uh, how much they love you. But ultimately, in a perfect world, they would connect with you through that and, and prefer to have your voice through the pain of, of, of something. Let, let me, yeah, let me take off on that. Oh, sorry, JB. I just wanted to take off on that and translate that. One quick question. That One of the things yeah. you mentioned was the idea that, that you expected the Rams to have the kind of moments that you want to be able to broadcast sooner rather than later, and, and that you, you were preparing for the idea that they were going to have those moments well ahead of the 2019 season when they move into the new, uh, the new uh, stadium. How, how, do you, how do you approach the season with that kind of optimism, um, you know, the, the Rams are in this weird transitionary period where, you know, they haven't had a winning season since 2003. Uh, Jeff Fisher's the head coach with the resume that he's got. You mentioned the fact that they're focused on this brand development uh, and, and not necessarily an on-field product, and they're not mutually exclusive, like you said, but that clearly there's this weird transitionary period and things aren't really set in stone and that there's not this hard target for winning now, winning now at all costs. How do you how do you feel that optimism is permeating the the psyche of the team and the culture going into the season? I mean, we haven't even had the first preseason game, but that that idea of the optimism that good moments are coming, that this team is going to provide winning football sooner rather than later. How do you think that's that's coming through? I think there are a lot of components to how I would answer that question. Uh, the first, I think, is just logistics, right, and the excuses where the Rams are already built in this season in terms of having to relocate. Uh, who knows what's going on behind the scenes with their housing and their families and the schools. And even, even since they've been in Southern California, how many places they've had to lift weights and go to practice. Mm. Uh, it's all there for them. Right. But you know, in any sport at any level, that kind of, logistical adversity uh, adversity can unify a team and can produce better results than maybe they or their fan base were expecting. I mean, maybe like the post Katrina New Orleans saints are the ultimate example of that. And uh, mercifully mm -hmm. we're, we're not talking about a tragic situation. We're talking about logistical inconveniences for the Los Angeles Rams, but I would venture a guess that Jeff Fisher and his coaching staff are attempting very sincerely to turn the hurdles that they faced over the last several months into an advantage rather than a disadvantage on the field. Uh, now, whether or not they're able to do that, we'll see. I mean, the, the cards are stacked a little bit against them. Uh, given the, the cards, no, we don't, we don't face the Cardinals until like week six. What are you talking about? <laughs> the cards are stacked. 
<laughs> you can't use I'm that word. Go. Come on, man. See, this is part of your education into the Rams zeitgeist. You can't just throw out the cards. That's not that's not acceptable, man. <laughs> uh, but specifically, how how road heavy and how far from home they're going to be <laughs> early, um, and and so it'll be interesting to see how they manage all of that, whether they kind of rally around that concept or not. Um, it, and just purely in terms of more X's and O's driven, I don't think I need to tell you guys that. Uh, who know the team as well as anyone, that they are equipped to win. And there are a lot of coaches, I think, across the National Football League who would not mind going into work on Sunday with the defense, especially the the front four, the front seven that the Rams have at their disposal, and one let's of the most important running backs in the game. Let's be real. They wouldn't mind having Aaron Donald. Let's just, let's just be honest, dude. If you told a coach that he could have Aaron Donald and even, you know, Quentin Copel, let's remove Robert Quinn. You could be like, I can have Aaron Donald and Quentin Copeland. I'll take it. What do you mean? Tremaine <laughs> Johnson's in there. Like, those three alone would get a defensive coordinator going, I'm in. I'm in. They should. I think that's it. They right? should. Man. You can win a lot of yeah. games in this league by running the ball effectively and giving your offense plus chances, plus field position to succeed. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with the roster as it's currently constituted to go have great success this season. Now, are there pieces that need to be developed? Are there position groups that could be stronger or could be enhanced through future draft or free agency transactions? Of course. I mean, you guys spend most of your waking, working lives talking about them. But I, I don't we, think the Rams Joe and I are going to educate you or two along the way. Joe, should should we just like do do him now, like break him? Whatever. I just I just hated how pathetic it made us sound. I just hated the idea that we spend every waking minute thinking about how Rams personnel units could get. I literally spent more than zero seconds thinking about the Rams long snapper depth chart today. That's depressing. <laughs> I said I that as the ultimate compliment. I didn't mean that uh, <laughs> as in any way a soft knock on whatever else you have going on. Soft, knock. soft knocks. Go ahead. Go ahead, J.B. Long with the soft knocks recall. J.B. Long, everybody. That was my first <laughs> oh, there it is. Now it's perfect timing. J.B. Long, everybody. Hey, thanks for coming on, J.B. Voice of the Rams, 710 Los Angeles, ESPN, at J.B. underscore Long on Twitter. Rams Radio on multiple social media formats coming to you soon. JB, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, gentlemen, uh, the first and foremost reason I wanted to do it was to say thank you to you and everyone who puts uh, the product on your site. I look forward to uh, having a lot of fun with you guys and interacting with you throughout the season and uh, hopefully for many, many years to come. Awesome. Thank you. You know what we may do, man? I may, I may just record the audio on the game. And using my game catch uh, audio recorder, yeah. I may just do that, and then uh, uh, maybe we'll have you back on to discuss some of these calls, and you can let us know what was going through your head when you made the call, and we'll sort of do a play-by-play of of some of your announcing. Radio announcing play X's play. and O's. And if you screw up, play, you play by play of the play-by-play. Be ready yeah. to come on yeah. and have some fun with it too. <laughs> Well, uh, the first one I botched or the first one my voice cracked on, we can start there and, and hopefully uh, <laughs> we're going to grow up together with it. How, about, how awesome. about we start with the first touchdown the Rams score 
in Los Angeles that hopefully, as you said, with the fan there, fans there, packed to the hilt in the Coliseum, you won't need to say much. You can just say that is the sound of football back in Los Angeles, and that's it. I think I might steal that. Don't trademark that, okay? Because I can't pay you royalties. You can have it, man. You can can have it. Yeah, well, here here's the caveat. You may have to wait six weeks for that to happen. Hey, oh, oh, sorry. No, I didn't mean to go negative to finish this up. JB, thanks for coming on, man. I was going to say, hopefully we're not recording anymore because I'm going to let that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I cut that out. <laughs> thanks, man. See you, fellas. Good night. That was awesome, man. JB Long, everybody. 710 Los Angeles. It, I, I don't know how to what the nomenclature is. ESPN 710, 710 ESPN, whatever it is. It was JB Long, Voice of the Rams. Awesome interview. That was cool to have him on. ESPN. It's 710 ESPN is, is how we refer to it out here. Uh, but I've also heard people call it ESPN 710 LA. I, I, I think it's sort of like, uh, did you ever read that article that was going around a while back? It was one of those social media viral things where they were asking, do you know the freeway systems when you're driving yeah, on it? How, how do you say, if you were telling somebody how to get to a destination in your neck of the woods, how would you say it using the, the freeway system? Like, you just pick anywhere and use the freeway system. Sure, you take the 101, uh, get off at uh, Moore Park, I don't know. I'm making up all that. I haven't yeah, been to Los see, Angeles in like eight you, months. You, no, you, you, you did it. You say the 101. We, yeah. We've had people uh, come at us in California and say, why do you guys, why is it not just jump on 78? There's no the. Like, and I actually, I, I, I realized this when I was talking with somebody who was out here on vacation from Wisconsin and, and they were mm-hmm. flat filling me in on how they do that stuff. And I was fascinated by it because there were no articles uh, in front of what they did. It was just take 78 to 56, jump off on 22 North and then, you know, whatever, exit, whatever. And I'm like, they so- don't use uh, at all. You know what's you know what's weird now that I think about it. Uh, if I was talking about Dallas, I would I would never use an article, and I live in the D.C. area. I would never use an article, but there's no way that I couldn't refer to it as the 405. That's what I'm saying. Like that's that I think that's what it is here in California. Is it's always been the five, the 405, the 101. And, it, you know, it's just a certain way of doing things That's out weird. here. We're weird, man. We're really, really, really weird. But that's okay. You're weird. <laughs> now you talk about the sociology of grandstand. One thing I noticed today was uh, that in order, after the practice was over and the players would, would go by and some would do autograph sessions, some would, you know, just head back to the locker the way that, that, that it works is you shout the name out. And there was one dude there who, I swear to God, he had a Rams flag. And he was telling every player that they were the missing piece. He's like, hey, man, I got everybody but you. And I'm like, you know, this is actually a good hustle. Like, 
because he got all the signature. You know, uh, uh, Goff signed it. He he ducked down and signed it. Higby ducked down and signed it. Tremaine Johnson signed it. So if you're listening, you're the hustle, but just know that I found you out. Well, you know the kicker for that story, right, is that when you turned around, the person who had been saying that the whole time was general manager Les Snead. And the last piece was you, Josh. I think that the, the weird thing about, you know, getting out there covering practices today is that, like, I had, you know, decent equipment to where I was able to, like, zoom out and, and like, get stuff worth filming and get shots worth shooting. But at the same time, because I was on the other side of the fence, I got a lot of weird looks like, what is this dude filming? Mm-hmm. What is this dude shooting? And mm-hmm. me and Classy were like, you know, we should format like our own system of like continuously moving up and down. It was ridiculous for trying to follow <laughs> what was going on. But we had to, like, we were like boxers, man. We had to stick yeah. and move. We had to we, stick and move, yeah. you know? Yeah, the, the Ontario Times in one of these weird spaces uh, where we're not credentialed as the media, but we've got a more popular website than anybody in the media for Rams coverage, right? So it, it's this weird uh, thing where we have to straddle to have somebody like J.B. Longlong, the voice of the Rams. relationships with, yeah, with yeah, you a got, lot you, of these. People, yeah. you know, and, and, and I'll be honest, I'm going to say this and I mean this sincerely, every interaction that I've had with uh, the employees of the Rams, whether it's the, 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 you know, the communications department with artist Twyman, who is at the head and everybody below him and uh, the people putting out content, guys like uh, Miles Simmons and Danny Kleppinger and uh, Nate Bain on the social media team. And every, everybody that I dealt with has been incredibly professional, incredibly nice, and incredibly uh, uh, capable. But but at the same time, there's this weird, um, you know, ether that we're working in where we're not media and we're not just some random outpost. You know, this is... Yeah, we're not a nation. random fan there to get a football sign. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 you're the... And I know class was there, like, we were legit trying to, like, pay attention to what was going on, but at the same time, like, I... I was I was working every bit of my six foot five frame to get like shots, dude. Because I'm so tall that I've got that Tayshawn Prince wingspan that I can just hold the camera up and legitimately get some good shots. And I'm also tall enough that I can see what's on my digital camera screen when I'm shooting it, so I can zoom in on players and get relatively good shots for the site. And well, that's, that's kind of the thing. Time, they're staring at me like, why do you need that many shots of the Rams exactly. when they're doing yeah. offensive line drills? Yeah. Rams fans won't get, you know, hassled by the staff or anything like that. But there are, there are specific rules for media. And I think we operate in this weird sense where we're not credentialed or anything. So the rules to media don't apply. But you know as well as I do, the stuff that we say on Tertial Times Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and whatever is going to be broadcast to a wide audience. 
and and hit the, the you know the the core demographic of who the Rams are trying to reach, especially the most dedicated fans. And that's what we do at Tertial Times. We may not hit the person who pays attention to the Rams once a month, once a week. The person who checks in every day and the person who checks in multiple times a day, Tertial Times ends up being the first place they go. And I think that's what's important is that. You know, we continue this whole transition, the relocation to Los Angeles, the stress that it's put on, you know, the two fan bases. And I'd say the third fan base, like myself, who isn't, well, I guess that's unfair. I was born in Los Angeles. I was a fan before they moved to St. Louis. I would say fans like Brandon Bates, right? The co-managing editor lives in the D.C. area from Virginia. Fans like... Um, Gosh, who else on the staff? We, you, you know who everybody we got at TCA, like Sean yeah, Wilkinson, member of the Air Force, oh, Ryan Ewing, guys, that, you know, who's stationed now, I think, in uh, Japan or Korea, you know, guys like that who aren't necessarily from Los Angeles, St. Louis, but have always been Rams fans and don't really have a dog in the fight. And, and as we've made that transition, we still have to service the fans first. And I think that's a, it, like you mentioned, it's an interesting spot to occupy because the team, and I'm sure other people see you doing that and assume there's some media component to it. But you're up there with the fans, you know what I mean? And representing the fans' view, first and foremost, I think that's an interesting space to occupy. Yeah, it was really fun, though, to try and, and do that. And, and I know when we were out there, I know Foss and I were, we were acting more like media than we were fans. I mean, even in the sense of, like, non-media personnel, I was sticking and moving because, I didn't want to create a situation whereby the Rams had a reason to ask us to leave for any reason. You know, the last thing you want to do is get tossed out of practice for no, you know, hey, I went there and then that went wrong. So we we just tried to abide by that media sense just because it's like you said, man, anybody that we dealt with with the Rams, and, and the same thing goes with Miles, has always been very generous at this time yeah. with me. I want to return that professionalism, you know, in whatever capacity I can, whether it's as a fan on the other side of the fan, uh, technically a fan, even though I'm going to say this straight out. Like everybody was saying, wondering uh, in my articles, like, oh, he's a Rams fan. Check out his Twitter. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not a, a real anything fan. Uh, I, I was a Saints fan, uh, but even then, it was picked for me when I was working at the Red Lobster because I was a college football <laughs> guy. My general manager was actually always babbling about University of Tennessee. Every year that team was going to be good, uh, and they never lived up to it. If only he or I had still been there when UT actually got good. Uh, but I never really cared about the NFL. And in they, the senior servers started to get Sunday off, and I'd go with them to get ham, ski, drink beers, and, and watch some football. And one day they all got together and decided, like, you're going to be a Saints fan. Like, that's, that's how it's going to work for you. And I followed the Saints, you know, pretty much until, I don't know, I guess I still do, but if you ask me to name the, the, the starting offensive line for the New Orleans Saints, I'm, I'm getting stuck at, like, Jari Evans, you know, and I don't even think he plays there anymore. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't have a fandom. I don't have a dog in the fight, as, as some people say. 
But what I want to do is exactly what JB wants to do, man. Uh, I love Southern California, and I love the fact that we have the NFL back. And I want to bring the fan base, especially at Turf Showtime, the absolute best coverage and unbiased coverage. You know, not St. Louis, not L.A., but if I'm pushing the L.A. agenda, it's because I'm smart enough, like J.B. said, to recognize that this is what the Rams want. No and, and if you want to be a media outlet in, in today's world, people need to recognize that there's a behind-the-scenes politics game we have to play. And stuff and like it, that is how you play. And, and that's part of what I think is great, is that we've got we got all these different voices writing for the site. We've got Tertial Radio with, you know, you as kind of a newborn L.A. Rams fan who's kind of, you know, what, something that Brian Mewling uh, that I have talked with him about is this idea of the demographic of new Los Angeles fans coming to the team for the first time and how to fold them in to the entire family at the same time that you're dealing with the schism between St. Louis fans. And this is exactly what happened in Los Angeles. There was a great read by Vinny Bonsignori in the daily news, not too long ago, this idea of how do you deal with fandom when the team leaves? And the idea that so many Los Angeles Rams fans decided to stop following the team when they moved to St. Louis, how do do they pick that back up? Let alone new fans like yourself who are dealing with the team for the first time. St. Louis is dealing with that same conundrum right now where you, you've got a lot of fans understanding. I'm legit ask Classy the question I'll ask you. Um, so week two, they play the Seahawks, right? Now, everybody knows who's coming through that tunnel for, sure. for the head coach of the Seahawks. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Now, when he left and joined the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, uh, a lot of USC fans, and I know this for a fact because I cover them for Athlon Sports, but a lot of USC fans just started following Seattle. Like, they just sure. followed. They never had an NFL team. Pete Carroll. And on top of that, he drafts and uses a lot of Pac-12 guys. And well, I mean, Malcolm Smitty was the Super Bowl yeah. MVP. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I legit wonder this. Who do you think is going to be, get a bigger reception on week two? Pete Carroll when he comes out of that tunnel or the LA Rams? And I'm not asking that to be a dick. So, so here's my answer, and I think this goes back to the question I asked JB. What matters more, 2016 or 2019, right? Because if you're, if you're asking who, who gets the bigger reception, I'll be honest, you know that market better than I do. And, and who knows – who knows what fans are in the Coliseum when Seattle comes to town, whether that's legitimate Los Angeles Rams fans or if it's the Los Angeles market, some of whom happen to be Rams fans, right? And the rest can be, uh, you know. There are uh, many legit people who are born Rams fans who were born, you know, just into it like you were, you moved away or whatever the case may be. And now they're back, but during that time, SC was always their school. Yeah, and exactly. while they didn't have the L.A. Rams, they didn't necessarily mind the Seahawks under Carroll. There's yeah. always that one team in the division that you don't mind. Every it, sports fan knows it. Every, every sport, every division, yeah. 
there's always that one team, and it always rotates, too. It can't ever sure. stay the same because just some teams become assholes when they win. So there's always that one team, and I wonder if that love for Carroll, I mean, you've got to cheer Pete if you're an SC fan. It doesn't matter if you're a new Rams fan, too. You still right. got to cheer Pete. And I, th- I think that's what's interesting is you're a USC guy who's bringing in this new Rams fandom. I'm a longtime Rams guy who loves L.A. and loves the market and doesn't necessarily have a USC affiliation. But, again, I think that I'm, I mentioned the 2016 part and the fact that, okay, you've got the, these conditions. What's different is move forward four, five, six, seven, eight years. It's, n- it's no longer just, and, and consider the fact that Jeff Fisher is a USC guy too. It's no longer whether or not you have an allegiance to USC over the Rams. The question is who dominates the loss. And this is to me, I'm asking this, who dominates the Los Angeles market when it comes to football? Is it NFL professional football or is it college football? Because obviously with the Rams gone there, there's been a vacuum that's been able to be filled by college football, USC, UCLA, other options, let's say. NFL football is back in Los Angeles. And in, in every market, what we've seen is NFL football dominates college football. That's been the case in every market that both coexist. Is that going to happen in LA? And, and when? And how? I don't know the answer for that. So the, the question is, I, I it, are, are, are people going to celebrate Pete Carroll coming back? That's year one. I think the question is year three, what, or year no, four, no, excuse me, when, when that stadium opens? I don't three. know. They're not going to give a damn by year three. But what I thought was interesting about JB, uh, what he said, and, and, you know, we can end on, on this point, you know, he brought up the word family a lot. Now go Google USC and then type in FA into your Google browser and see how they finish. It finishes it out for you. <laughs> that is a word that you hear Clay Helton tossed out like countless times, the Trojan family, the Trojan family. And, you know, Gerard Martinez of USCfootball.com had, had tweeted today, like, the Col- he's like, the Coliseum renovations are done early. Like, well, what they didn't tell us it was going to be all L.A. Rams stuff, LOL. He was just joking. Yeah. But he tweeted yeah. a picture like, all there is is Rams crap everywhere. And, and, and even USC's kind of been snuffed out of there. So I think yep. the NFL win, will win long-term. But mm-hmm. I think as long as they're in that coliseum, I do think you're going to see the Rams play to some of the similar things that USC has. A, because like you said, Fish is, is too much uh, of a, a guy that respects SC, even if he doesn't necessarily like them. He, he loves and honors USC tradition and, and generally loves the school. You don't have to like everything about a person to, to love them. Uh, and and uh, the Rams themselves, I think, are in a position to where the last people they want to piss on are the fans of, of the uh, stadium that let them play there, you know. Oh, no doubt. Had it been the Rose Bowl, I think, they, I think they'd be pushing, you know, Rebel, Rams Revolution or something because that's yeah. what the, the Bruins are pushing. But family is explicitly Trojan, and I think that that's, the Rams are doing that by design. 
Yeah, the Rams aren't in a position to piss off any demographic. Anybody will tell you who's watched the last 20 years of Rams football knows the more people that you can bring in, the better, because there's not that many people that believe in Rams football. I, th- I think the biggest benefit of the move is they've got a whole new audience who's willing to believe in this idea that the Rams are going to bring winning football to the table. They haven't done that since 2003, Josh. Think, think about all the things that USC football has accomplished since 2003. That, that, USC that, that, hadn't even won their first national title. You know what I'm saying? They won that, it in 2003, and then they went on probation in 2008. And came back. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. That, that's how long it's been for the Rams. And we're not even talking about being good. We're just talking about having a winning, one winning season. That's, think about what that means in college football. Right, an eight and eight. That's and crazy season? because Ed Orgeron <laughs> had like an okay run exactly. as a head coach, even if he lost to Notre Dame and, and whatnot. Same with Play Health, and neither one of those dudes. Well, I guess Play Helton did, but sure. Ed Orgeron, sure as hell, it was like you said. I, until it had been brought up to me, I just didn't realize. Usually the guy that's the head coach does not. You get to oversee one rebuild. You're brought on, hey, guess what? This is a brand-new team. Go ahead, build, draft the way you want. When it fails miserably and you go four winning, four seasons without winning uh, or even having a winning season or even a 500 season for you that start matter, over. Uh, yeah, you start over, but it's generally not that deep. There's another guy in there, and it's a new start over. So it'll be curious to see how the Rams pull this off with Fisher reaching out to that L.A. market. But it, I, I do think that there's a reason Fish is playing things like he is, and there's no a reason that Rams fans are like, hey, be, be positive and upbeat about the Rams because we want to yep. be. And it's like, well, damn, you got to remember, we, we recovered this when, when it wasn't good just six months ago. Yeah. And that that's All the convergence the that's today. Yeah. And that's the convergence that's coming. And, I, you know, th- this is a good point to end on is uh, – one of speculation, maybe not the most positive, but hell, that's what that's what we've turned Trisha Times into is that this idea of not being the most positive outlet when everybody else is a font of optimism over the last four or five seasons when the Rams haven't put out a winning record. Churchill Times is one of the few places to say, look, let's be realistic about what's on the table and the fact that the Rams haven't been successful. What's going to make them successful this year? You mentioned the offensive line. Already the fact that they're bringing everybody back from that offensive line into 2016 should be a question mark that we should be applying to how we evaluate the coaching staff in the front office. The fact that, that again, the Rams had the worst offense in yardage gained in 2015. They decided that that offensive line, the offensive line that contributed to the 32nd ranked offense was the one they wanted to bring back. Think about that, Josh. That, that they said, we've got the worst offense in the entire NFL in yardage games. Let's bring back that exact offensive line. Well, I think, I, you know, I think that they brought that back because it, it, Classy and I talked about this out at, at camp today. I was, you know, the subject of Whitman came up right. just because, I, you know, covering Fresno State, I knew Cody sure. back then. I was there for his pro day, et cetera. Again, again uh, college football dominating the Los Angeles market over the NFL. Yeah. That's, a, that's a key story that's going to develop over this year. 
uh, you looked at Cody Wickman and you see how good this guy can be in the fact that he's starting to get those reps and you think, mm-hmm. okay, we know that they needed to bring people in, but maybe some of these dudes that they have in the pipeline solve, you know, if all you have to do is plug in one or two people into your your midfield to, to solve the problem, like Pogba, apparently in Zlatan are going to fix Manchester United, uh, then, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't really know that it solves the problem, but in some ways it masks it and it gives you the chance to bring young guys through and say that you nurtured them. You had your own draft picks, you brought them through, and they got a chance to compete and earn a spot with, you know, the the, the ones, even when they got drafted later on in the process. But... I think Wickman would do just fine this year if he were called upon to play regularly. And I think Classy brought it up that, you know, there there's a little bit of that last year when he showed that potential. So I guess I asked you, do you have faith in some of the younger guys that they have who might get those uh, opportunities when some of these guys inevitably go down? And that's so our final question. Yeah, here's here's the central problem I think that's facing the 2016 Rams, right? Not any other year, but 2016, coming off a year in which the quarterback solution failed miserably. And not only did it fail miserably, consider this, it failed more miserably than any solution in the previous three years, whether it was Sam Bradford originally injuring the ACL, the re-injury which led to the Sean Hill-Austin Davis year, last year with Nick Foles and Case Keenum, that, that, that Nick Foles-Case Keenum solution was the worst out of all of them. And that was after four years that the Rams had, with the benefit of the RG3 trade, to build up the rest of the offense using all those extra picks that they had. And what we got was the league's worst offense. So here's what I would point to as being the problem is that the goalposts have shifted to the point now that you've had the 32nd ranked offense in yardage gain that, that people are saying, look, clearly to have the worst offense in the league, you've got to have a problem at quarterback that needs to get fixed. And obviously the Rams drafting Jared Goff number one overall is going to address that. The problem is you're already seeing fans complacent with the idea that whatever we get will be better and that better is good enough. And the reason that's a problem is we've seen that for the last eight years. When, when you've got the 32nd ranked offense, getting the 30th ranked offense is better. It's nowhere near good enough. And, and that's the problem for the Rams is that they're always pointing to these markers of improvement that never materialize functional improvement overall for the team. It's like, it's Hey dude, just because you finally finished, you know, second in the league doesn't mean anything. Like, that, like finishing ahead of Tottenham, St. Tottering of the day is just, you know, that's, that's a national holiday in them parts. But, <laughs> but, but finishing second to Leicester City, you still should have won the league. Isn't enough. I mean, that's the point, right? You, you, you've, got a, you've got a clear a clear marker of what actually constitutes success and any, any little benchmark on the way to that 
is, is only good enough to make you feel better. It's not the actual goal. And that's the problem for the Rams is that they're still catching up to that. They're, they're, they're not even close to that. And, and that these little benchmarks of, oh, well, we're going to get better quarterback play. Okay, you get better quarterback play in 2016. Now you got the 29th ranked overall offense. You got Todd Gurley as a superstar running back. And you've got some options in the wide receiving core. Now you got to go rebuild the offensive line, which you just did last year in the league. You go do that. Who knows what comes in the 2017 NFL draft? It's this gradual improvement that still hasn't gotten us anywhere after five years. I just don't understand how. And, and to me, this is the central story for 2016, how Los Angeles has talked itself into the idea of being happy just to get football back and not to get good football. You, I guess you just have to kind of go through losing it. And, and, and really... I guess if you're a Trojans fan and they're not winning and UCLA's revolution never amounts <laughs> yeah. to And for, for Rams fans, yay, what, what a great idea if you're a Rams fan. Well, you've always got USC and UCLA. <laughs> exactly. And if that doesn't happen, <laughs> you've got the Angels, you've got the Dodgers, you've got yeah, the exactly. LA Galaxy, you've got the Sparks, <laughs> you've got the Clippers. Like, there's no shortage of crap to do in Los Angeles. Unless you're, unless you're a Rams fan who doesn't live in Los Angeles. And, that, and that's the central point. And that's kind of what I tried to tag on to JB. I know there was a long answer. We're trying to close this up. Um, let's do just that, man. We got, we got an interesting time coming ahead of us. You were at camp today. We got a couple of practices ahead of Saturday against Dallas. What, what are you expecting in the game? Uh, man, I'm interested to see how Keenum is, is going to handle everything. Mm. I'm interested. To think, me, think, about where, be... think about where the fan expectations are right now for preseason game one. I'm interested to see where Case Keenum is, our starting quarterback. That's, well, that's, a, that's well, a weird position. It's true. And, and you know it what? Is. The, the, the thing that I'm interested to see is what's Jeff Fisher's tipping point. Because mm-hmm. if Case Keenum makes it to, let's mm-hmm. just throw out a video game reference, a valid checkpoint, you know, or, or, or save point, cool. You know, then, 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 then whatever. But yep. if Case Keenum comes out randomly in the middle of the game, like, and you're like, what the hell, why Jared Goff go in? We're going to have to do some tape rewinding to figure out exactly what it was that got his ass pulled. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's what, you know, when we had the staff roundtable of how many games Jared Goff is going to start, the thing that I leaned on wasn't Jared Goff being ready. It's the idea that you're going to see Case Keenum operate in the Rams offense. And I, I get it that there are a lot of Rams fans in Los Angeles or new, new NFL fans in Los Angeles that didn't see this team operate. Case Keenum didn't run a functional NFL offense. The, the offense that he ran at the end of last year was, by and large, horrible. It was horrible. He averaged less than 175 yards a game. That, that's really, 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 really bad. And especially for guys like you who see USC and UCLA and other you know quality, uh, and especially UCLA with Josh Rosen, they see quality yeah, college man, offenses. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Is, is If Jared Goff doesn't pan out in two years, how hype is, is do the Rams, like, I don't know what it is, like, clip for Goff or, 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 uh, or uh, uh, you know, uh, 
Frozen for Rosen, sure. I don't know what R for Rosen is, you know, you do. But but, but you come up with something, and you try and get that Jameis Winston hometown feel of a guy who comes right in. And uh, 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 because, man, I'll tell you what, Josh Rosen is going to be on it. If that dude were to come out at the end of this year, I think he would still be the number one quarterback. And, and okay, so but the, here's the, here's the key point. Think about the way you're talking about Josh Rosen, and that's not the way you're talking about Jared Goff. That's kind of the, that's kind of the central focus going into the 2016 Los Angeles Rams season. We can close it on this. They're going to the first preseason game on Saturday against the Dallas Cowboys. And nobody is talking about the way they can capitalize on this. Every serious national analyst and every serious local analyst that isn't, you know, embedded in the team and, you know, obviously team media, which has a job to do, is talking about all the things they do well. The things that they don't do well, the things that they haven't taken advantage of, are the same pitfalls that we've seen for the last couple of years. And if that's what takes place for the 2016 Los Angeles Rams, you've got the same output. And I just don't see how, with Case Keenum throwing less than 175 yards a game, with the offense being in the back, whatever, the back third, the back fourth, the back fifth of the league in terms of league offenses, and putting out the same kind of record, I don't see how that doesn't motivate Los Angeles to do better. And I think that's the ultimate product for the Rams in 2016. That's what I'm excited to see, man. I know we want to close this podcast. There's been plenty of time going on tonight. Uh, definitely thanks to JB. Yo, we we had a legit guest on Tershaw Radio tonight, Josh. We had JB Long. Yeah, ESPN and we only got Los more Angeles. People don't know you. Yeah, I know. It's worrisome, man. It's worrisome that we got all these great guests coming and that we have to still talk about the quality of football that we're having to talk about. But hopefully, this is what's going to get fixed now that they move to Los Angeles and that they're going to get the kind of the record and the output and the quality of football that, you know, the quality of guests that we're bringing in you should really deserve. Uh, but yeah, had JB on from ESPN 710 Los Angeles. It's at JB underscore long Rams radio on IG. Had to get that right. Thanks to JB for coming on. Thanks to you, Josh. Thanks to you for hanging in there with your apple pie, man. No, man, it's been a long day. I'm just getting to the point where I'm hitting the great sign where reception dies, but I know that that means that I, I'm literally on the back end of my drive, and this is the part of the trip where I'm like, oh, thank God, oh, thank God. And you know what, man? <laughs> this is a momentous occasion because my husky, I got to hand it to Loki Dog, man. He hung in there standing up for, what, six hours? Six hours? Six and a half hours this dog refused to lay down, even though Kiva, his girlfriend, was laying down. He finally, he is out. He is resting in the back of the car. So, Loki Dog, congratulations on your first long trip. He he made it with me. My co-pilot made it with me. Now, here, here's the thing. You talk about where reception dies, hours and hours, where, where hope goes to die. Welcome to Rams football, Josh. I, I hope you're ready. You talk about six hours. Try the next three and a half months, man. I, I think I think you're you're getting ready to have your emotions tested. I and think I'm you forget which college team I've covered <laughs> for the past three years, dude. So, it's going to be great. I mean, 
if this is Clay Helton, like, third time being the head coach of this team, I'll be all right, man. I'll be all right. <laughs> Jeff Fisher. Yeah. No, this is going to be fun, man. Josh Webb, everybody. Uh, hit him up. What, what's the Twitter handle? Is it Fight on Twist? Yes, sir. Fight on Twist. Fight on Twist on Twitter. Josh Webb. It's your boy. Joe McAtee, a.k.a. 3K. At 3K underscore. Hit us up. Tertial Times. At Tertial Times on everything you could possibly find. Go Rams. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.